So often we talk about professional sports and collegiate sports here on the show, but today I wanted to take a different angle and discuss high school sports, specifically high school football. And we're going to go even deeper and talk about California high school football compared to Idaho high school football. You don't want to miss this one. It's the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru. Once again, I'm your host, Shane Larson, coming at you today with a special guest of mine, Mr. Daniel Jenkins, Jinxie, uh, D-Jinx, whatever we call him. Um, it's Daniel Jenkins. He's here with me, and I appreciate you joining me today, Daniel. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's glad to be here. For sure, for sure, man. So um, I want to let the, the listeners know who you are. So let's just, if you could explain like who you are and, I don't know, maybe couple sentences what would you say like describe yourself who, who are you are you a football fan are you a, a a husband whatever like just describe yourself so I I am a, a man of faith first and I am a, a husband um to my beautiful wife Melissa um and I am a not just a football or basketball fan man. I'm a sports fan so I love it all man Perfect. golf tennis uh hockey I love it all so I am a sports fan just not just just not a uh football fan I like it, and that's that's perfect because that's why I want to bring in the show. You're a, you're a sports fan, and this show, the Game Time Guru, is to deliver. It's the goal is to deliver a panoramic view on sports, just giving a, a wide view on sports. So we don't just talk football or anything like that. So that's why you're a perfect fit for the show. Um, and speaking of that, we're going to talk about some of your your sports knowledge just to break in to the show a little bit. You're a Lakers fan, from what I know. We've had a lot of discussions on this. I want your thoughts real quick on the beginning of the season for your Lakers and what you think is going to happen going forward. So 21 games in uh, to the season, uh, we take on the Denver Nuggets tonight. Uh, I think it's gone well so far. Um, a lot of expectations were put on uh, Lonzo Ball and and what he was supposed to be doing this season uh, by management. But I think 21 games in so far, he's done well. Um, he's got to remember he's only a 20-year-old kid. Um so he's just he's still figuring it out. So as a rookie, once you figure it out, you know, come year two or three, I think he'll he's going to be really good. Okay, do you guys have enough patience to to develop those players? Because it seems like the Lakers in the last couple of years, they're not really having the patience. They they bring in a couple guys. They had D'Angelo Russell ship him off. They have all these guys that keep making moving moving parts like these moving pieces, and they they keep putting them away like what's going to happen with Randall and and who do you guys who what do you have in the future you got Lonzo you, you think you're going to keep him but who else is going to stay there from the squad you got right now Brandon Ingram I think okay. is going to stay um Julius Randall I think is really proven that uh, he can accept his role on the bench um okay. Jordan Clarkson is another one who's accepted his role on the bench uh a surprise has been Kyle Kuzma you know uh, Kuzma's a stud 27th pick um I went down and saw uh them play the Utah Jazz a couple uh, weeks ago and Donovan Mitchell, uh, which is another low pick. And, and those have been the two surprises for the NBA as far as rookies yep. go. So I think uh, Kuzma has been a really good surprise. So he's in, definitely in our future. And uh, my favorite player in the NBA right now is Brandon Ingram. Um, he's He's been, you know, I'm a Duke guy as well. So uh, I love to see uh, Brandon Ingram kind of coming to his own and I think over the next couple of years that he as he grows into his uh, quote-unquote man body um, I mm -hmm. think he'll be 
uh, very, very good. Okay. So you got hopes, high hopes for the future here in the near future, actually, in the next couple of years with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. I do. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's talk about the NFL real quick. You're, you're a Denver Broncos fan. I actually, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what you are because, like, you <laughs> like the Broncos, but you love Tom Brady. We'll, we'll discuss it. But what do you think about the NFL so far this season? Has it been a weird season? What, what do you think? Has it impressed you or kind, kind of disappointed? Uh, it's been a little bit of everything. It's been a little <laughs> bit of a disappointment. It's been a little bit of uh, um, excitement. Uh, the AFC West, which was in the beginning of the season, was touted to be the strongest division, um, has turned out to be the weakest division. Uh, the Raiders were supposed to pick up where they left off and be a Super Bowl contender. It's not looking like that. The Chiefs started out hot, and now they've gone cold. Dang. Uh, the Chargers uh, were 0-5. Now they're 5-6. and six. Uh, And then the Denver Broncos, my team, over the last couple of years have had a top-five defense, you know, a couple of years the top defense in the league. But this year – with the rotating door at, at quarterback, we can't seem to figure it out. So that three and, I believe, eight record that we have now doesn't really look too good on the defense that's still top five. So that's it's been really tough. You know, the Patriots are who they are. The Steelers are who they are. And then when you go over to the NFC, um, the biggest disappointment for me is uh, none other than your Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> um, because that was, that was a team um, – that everyone looked at to being that really taking that next step. Oh yeah, and I think that uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, if he would have just taken those first six games, yep. um, you probably would have been in a better situation now uh, than you were uh, probably at the beginning of the season. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can bite the bullet um, at the beginning of the season, but now it, when it's really coming down to winning time, um, it's not looking like they have that that horse back there to really solidify that running game and speaking of that like had we taken it like you said at the beginning of the season which I understand why he didn't because I, un- I understand that from what he says and, and what we've seen I understand why he didn't um, take it but if, had he done that we we hit our toughest like stretch of our season right when he took his suspension the hardest games like he was able to play against the Chiefs which now is turning out to not be such a great win anymore but like the Falcons the Eagles the Chargers, like when the Chargers were actually rolling all of a sudden out of nowhere, like these these hard teams that we played. And, uh, yeah, he took it right at the wrong time. So I think we could have probably won, you know, three or four games at least at the beginning of the season had he taken that. Um, and then he goes out, we lose our first three. Like I totally – it's it's frustrating to see. And it's been weird. It's been a weird season. And like you said, the your division, especially the Broncos, that quarterback – spot is it surprises me that John Elway can't find a quarterback it is just so weird to me that he can't figure out that position considering he played it so well for so many years but I mean Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler like are the exact same quarterback just a tall waste of space like that can't I don't know how they have NFL contracts and then you know Simeon's trying to do his job but I mean he just can do so much like that's that's all he can do I don't know I feel bad for the guy so I was listening to a sportscaster uh, earlier this week you know former Denver Broncos Shannon Sharp and he talked about you know the six seven and over quarterbacks usually don't do well in the NFL just because they're so tall I can see that um you know one of the ones that's surprised everyone is Joe Flacco you know but Joe Flacco had to learn uh, in college that, you know what, maybe I need to go down to a lower division uh, and play to really find myself. You know, that's okay. why he transferred from the University of Michigan to go to Delaware. And when he came out of Delaware, uh, he was one of the top quarterbacks 
coming out in that draft. And I no, didn't know that. I didn't realize that that story. So okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why Joe Flacco is able to do what he's doing because he wasn't he was a five star recruit and then he turned out to be who he is now. You know, Super Bowl champion. You know. Okay. So that's you know sometimes those six seven and over quarterbacks aren't who we thought they are. Exactly. So, and it's a standard. You know, it's it's almost like when we talk about the Lakers, the standard is championships. So mm-hmm. when when you're a quarterback like John Elway, who's been in the Super Bowl, who's won Super Bowls, MVPs, and the standard for him is is you know perfection and, and championships. So it's it's hard to believe that a guy who played at that high level still can't find a quarterback. Exactly. So it's frustrating. Hopefully, you guys will find one. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe take your boy Darnold. Speaking of uh, Darnold, let's talk about your USC Trojans. You're you're a USC fan. Um, and let's talk about that. How come you're a USC fan? Like, are you from there? What's what's the whole background behind USC right now? As we're as we're recording this, uh, Jinxie is wearing his his gear. He's always you're gonna find him in his gear. He's got a Reggie Bush jersey too, like that he always wears. Like he's got all the jerseys. And uh, I want you to get a little background on this. Why are you such a big fan? So being down from uh, Southern California, uh, Bellflower, California, Long Beach um, is where my family still resides. Um, it's always a tug of war of who you want to root for do you want to root for ucla do you want to root for um, usc so uh, my senior year in high school um, both of them were recruiting me and i went to both games but i really fell in love with usc and their culture uh this is back when reggie bush was there matt liner so they were at the pinnacle of uh, success okay. there so just being down on the field with pete carroll and and his staff and just learning from them, um, I was like, okay, this is this is my school. So I I've always been in love with uh, with USC, and even still to this day, when I go to games, I'm still reminded of those times where um, it was just fun being a recruit and just having fun, just learning from you know some of the top professional professionals in their business. I like that. So speaking of that, so you were a recruit. You know, they were they were recruiting you. Out of St. John Bosco, right? That's where you went to high school. I want to start talking about your your playing days in California, which is the whole point of this podcast. Like the main, sorry, not the whole point, but the main point of the podcast is talking about you know the comparison between California ball compared to to Idaho. And in St. John Bosco, you're there. Uh, for those of, of the people that don't know, can you give a little bit of an explanation of what is St. John Bosco? Like what what's the school? Um, like uh, why are they so popular? and stuff like that. Just give a little background on the school. So St. John Bosco is a private all-boys Catholic high school uh, located in Bellflower, California. Um, And they strive for excellence in um, your faith, your academics, and then athletics third. So a big thing with St. John Bosco is is becoming, uh, entering into high school as a boy, but leaving a man. Okay. So that's one of the things that they uh, like to teach you and one of the things that's in the handbook um, at least when I was there. I don't know if they still give out that same handbook and if it's been updated, I'm sure it has. But that's one of the things that they really instill in a lot of the students there is, is you're, you're going to enter here as a boy, but you're going to leave here a man ready to take on the world. I like that. And, and to, be, to go with that point, on the website it says, like First St. John Bosco says, develop young men, parents, faculty, and staff with the spirit to contribute to our school, our communities, and our country. So how did the school live up to that statement while you were there? So just a lot of things that we did as far as uh, community service. Um, didn't matter if you were an athlete or not. Um, a lot of things of opening the doors when we could um, to different 
um, schools to come and, and use our facilities. Um, you know, if we had some other, like I said, community service things that we needed to do around uh, L.A. County, you know, we always did it with a smile. We always did it with our uniform and our name. Uh, serving our country, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of guys that I graduated high school with that are in the military. Okay. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, I believe he just got married uh, a couple weeks ago, um, right out of high school he went to um, the Army. Um, and then I had another friend go to the Marines, had another friend be uh, in the Coast Guard. Okay. Um, so, uh, and then about two weeks after we graduated, I had a friend go to West Point. Right. And, you know, oh, West no Point, kidding. it's automatic. Once you graduate, it's time for you to become, mm-hmm. you know, a soldier. So uh, going to West Point was a really big deal for him because his brother was a graduate of St. John Bosco earlier, two years prior. And then he went on to West Point. So he wanted to follow in his brother's footsteps and go to West Point. And um, just talking to him a couple weeks ago, I mean, he's, he's, he loved it. he loved his time there at West okay. Point. He wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Okay, so the school actually does live up to that statement and from everything you just said. That's mm-hmm. actually really cool. Um, so I'm looking here, and I remember one time I was at work with you. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I used to work with uh, Daniel Jenkins over at our other company that I, I used to work for, and that's where I met him. And you were talking to me one day about, like, how it was, like, during game days. Can you give us, like, an explanation of what game day was like when you were at St. John Bosco? You, you talked about, like, your uniforms that you wore like you you wore i think it was just like your normal school clothes but didn't you have to wear a uniform or you had lunch or early morning breakfast there was some sort of structure to your day yeah so you get to school usually school started around uh, eight o'clock uh, seven thirty eight o'clock and then on game days um the varsity players would wear their uh uniforms that they would wear that day so the game jersey of that day along with khaki pants and it had all shirts whether you were uh, an athlete or not, all shirts had to be tucked in. So okay. it was a little structure. You, your facial hair had to be clean. Uh, your haircut, your haircut couldn't be over a certain length. Um, so it was pretty structured. You know, some days we would have um, high school rallies. Uh, we did have a sister school that was probably about two miles down the road, St. Joseph High School, which was an all-girls Catholic high school. Uh, so we shared a lot of our uh, high school pep rallies with them. Um, a lot of our band um, was kind of intertwined, so it was both male and female. Of course, our cheerleaders came from, from over there as well. Um, but after class, you know, our, our seventh period was usually a varsity sport. And okay. on game days, we would go to mass. And if anyone's um, familiar with the Catholic faith, you know, they, they always go to mass. Now, not everyone that goes to St. John Bosco um, is religious. So uh, for some people, they had to get used to it, just like mm-hmm. any private school. Um, usually private schools have the notion of the best education. So you don't necessarily have to be in that faith to to attend the school. So uh, we would go to mass, and after mass was over, school was usually uh, ended. Uh, for instance, if it was a home game, um, we would just stay at the school. We weren't allowed to leave, uh, but the parents would provide um, a dinner for us. It was usually either lasagna or spaghetti, uh, just some kind of carbs that we would have right before the game. Um, and usually the coaches would arrive about then, and um, we would give we would be given a test. Okay. Right? So uh, just to make sure we were uh, we were we have studied our playbook during the week. Um, we knew which guy uh, we were focusing on, um, and it was offense, defense, and even sometimes special teams. Right. So it was 
you know, if you played all three um, sides of the ball, then you got three tests, you know, when we had our dinner. So after dinner, we would go to uh, we would have about 15 minutes to kind of just walk around, gather our thoughts, and then we would have a walkthrough. And then after our walkthrough, we would get taped and go get dressed, and it's, it's time to go. Man, that is a structured day. I remember you telling me something, and I was like, dang, I couldn't uh, – that's why I was stumbling over my words here. I was like, I can't remember all the stuff you told me. But you did tell me that's how it kind of was. It was a structured day, but um, kind of kept you guys focused, had like little th- – you knew what was coming, like this is how the day is going to go. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your – your opinion on the athletes because you said it's a private school um do you think that the better athletes in california and this is just a purely opinion based but do you think the better the better athletes go to private schools or public schools like where do you usually find the better football teams or whatever in in cali i think it's a mix of both um now you'll get some uh what they call inner city kids that aren't able to uh, go to the private schools or they aren't they but why is that can you explain expand on that is that is there a cost yeah so there is a there is a, a quite hefty cost okay. to going to go into a private school i know st john bosco was inexpensive when i went and i use inexpensive very lightly it was inexpensive to go there but now the price is outrageous okay okay so um and some private schools you know will work with you you know majority of all private schools will work with you if you want to attend the schools and you get good grades and you do what you're supposed to do so they'll work with you on on getting your tuition paid um but sometimes people just aren't allowed to or just are unable to uh go to the school so they just okay. stick with what they know in the area that they know and they just stay there um, I remember a situation a couple years ago. Uh, there were two. There were four kids that transferred in to St. John Bosco that were um, pretty good athletes, but they went to a couple camps with one of the coaches on staff, and he got them to transfer over, and they actually made a big difference in um, in in our program, um, which brought our program our first state championship uh, a couple years ago. So, okay, uh, those kids now are should be just about all of them are are graduating college and are on their way to the nfl seriously on their way to the nfl um you got guys like uh, josh rosen which is the quarterback of ucla which was the quarterback of that team uh jaleel woodall um which was the safety of that team um you had uh, Nate Dogg's son, uh, I forget his name, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the top corners coming out. I think he went to the University of uh, Washington for a little bit, then he transferred. And then uh, another one, Shea Fields, out of uh, Colorado. Okay. Which was, uh, he was a senior this year, so he's on this, you know, one of the top receivers coming out this year. So all those guys were on the same team, um, which really put St. John Bosco on the map uh, to being the number one team in the country that year, so... That was that was a pretty good. I, I got to see them play in person um, that year, and they were they were a really good football team. Yeah, and and I remember I was actually watching a documentary. Like, just I'm, they weren't playing, but like I watched this documentary called QB One Beyond the Lights, and this was last year. They were following like Jake Fromm, who now plays for Florida or sorry Georgia, um, Tate Martell, who was playing at Bishop Gorman, now plays for Ohio State. And he's like third string on the on the depth chart, but they were playing St. John Bosco, and I was like, man, that's the school that jinx you went to like i was like dang so they they do have a lot of recognition at least on what i thought was the national level at least the regional level it's kind of cool it must have been because of the like 
push they had maybe with those players. I don't know. But, like, that school has a lot of recognition, and I saw it on a documentary. So I think it's pretty cool that they're pretty well known. Speaking of the athletes that you guys played, that were there, I want to I hear who you had to play against. Do you remember any big athletes that you played against during your time at St. John Bosco? Deshaun Jackson was probably the biggest one um, that we faced. And faced him for two years. Uh, unfortunately, our junior year, I am on his highlight tape for him. Right Are you really? Me. But Deshaun Jackson ran by a lot of people. Um, so uh, that's probably the biggest guy um, that I would say still currently playing right now um, that I played against in high school. And, okay. Uh, one of my best friends who played at UC Davis, um, we'll n- we never forget this story that our senior year, we're playing them in the second round of the playoffs, and um, we know he's running a go route, which is a, a just a straight fly route up the, up the field, and there he's he runs about a, a four four low four four close to a four three nine and he thought that he could outrun Deshaun Jackson and the ball's in the air and he never forgets that he's running and then all of a sudden he hears footsteps he looks back and Deshaun runs right past him catches the ball forty uh, nine yard touchdown and it was <laughs> and we always look at that play and we always go how he was about five to seven yards back and we thought the ball was overthrown and he just runs right by him and to touchdown and we're like, what happened so <laughs> Deshaun Jackson was one of those athletes um you know because I was a punter in high school that was hey you better kick the ball away from him or else you're going to be in trouble right um and a couple years ago the Giants the kicker, Giants didn't do that the Giants kicker <laughs> found that out really well so I, I always laugh when when teams kick it to him even when he was in college at Cal um because I'm like, or yeah, in the college of Cal, because I'm like, why would you kick it to him? He's one of the right. fastest guys on the field. He's one of the best athletes on the field. I knew that in high school for two years, that if you put the ball in his hands in, on special teams where there's so much space, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Oh, man. That's so cool that you got to play against him. I think that's rad. Um, not a lot of people can say that. But I want to I want to hear something before we like break into a different segment. I want to hear your Talk about your days there when when you were playing. Do you hold any records over at St. John Bosco during your days over there as like a running back? Tell the people who what you know you played punter, running back. What else did you play? So I played free safety and uh, strong safety. Um, I no longer hold the record for the longest touchdown run, which was ninety four yards. Um, I believe it was broken by he's the backup quarterback now. I broke it last year as a sophomore. Uh, Real Mitchell, uh, I believe is his name, and ninety eight yard touchdown. I Ooh, believe it was okay. Okay. Um, so I used to hold records there, but no longer do I hold a record for um, the longest run. But I it mean, stood for how long? Like almost ten years? Uh, no, it it. I think it was broken before that. Oh, um, was it okay? I just know that that's the more recent one that I know of. Oh, okay, that okay. was long. So once I, I believe I turned to that game. It was on a Saturday. And it was the second play of the game, and he took off down the field. And I'm like, well, if I had a record, it's gone it's now. It's gone now, yeah. Um, so that was that was the only one I had. I mean, I didn't have any touchdown records or yards records that we uh, we play a different offense than than they do now. We were more the traditional, you know, early 2000s two back offense that mm-hmm. you see now in the in the NFL, which we had a fullback. Uh, I was a tailback. My junior year, I was a fullback, but uh, moved over to tailback my senior year. But we were more of that offense, you mm-hmm. know, the tight end and um, n- not really going shotgun or pistol or what they're doing now. It was mainly under center, two-back offense, and we're just going to pound it out. And that's Stanford. Yep, that's kind of <laughs> how it was. 
I like it, man. Uh, what's your favorite memory that you have from there? So I got a, I got a couple of favorite memories. I mean, obviously the the ninety four yard touchdown was one of my favorite memories. Um, leaving uh, St. John Bosco, but you know, probably when I was there, that that would have to be the best one. Okay. But my my favorite memory of St. John Bosco football is watching them win their first state championship because Bosco didn't uh, California didn't always have uh, state playoffs. It was usually you won your section and that was it. Um, okay. So it wasn't until probably about five, six years ago, maybe seven, that California decided that they were going to uh, have a state playoffs and state championship. So it's been a long time. It had been a long time. Okay. That's awesome, man. So have you, you said you've gone back, you've watched a few games. Is there anything like similarities now at St. John Bosco to what you were, you know, when you were there, uh, is there any differences like how the school structured, how game day might be, you know, might not have the same structures you guys have. What's the comparison now compared to then? So Bosco is, is because they're getting so much, uh, national attention. Um, the difference is, is they don't play home games at home. Oh, so now they play home games uh, around the corner, uh, which is a, a nearby co- a community college or JC uh, called Cerritos College because okay. they pack so many fans. So because they pack so many fans, um, our high school isn't uh, able to hold them quite yet. So when I was home, um, our high school is building a new uh, stadium um, that was very, very donated, uh, heavily <laughs> donated by uh, some big time boosters that the range uh, of money is is in the millions yeah so um and just to see just to finally see that the track is getting done and the football field is is really going to get taken care of um it really speaks volumes to uh, that current coaching staff and the school to really say okay we need to start bringing people back to the high school and not okay you want to come see saint john bosco you can go off to, you know, Cerritos College or right. Saddleback College, you know, not really a, a home stadium for us. So that's good to see. I don't know when it's going to be done. I think they I believe it said it's projected to be done by next season um, because it's not like it's a college where they have to revamp everything. Right. They're just redoing the field and putting some extra bleachers in there. Um, so we'll see. So we'll see if it's done next season. Uh, maybe if they play on the Saturday, maybe I can go out there. Uh, yeah. But if they play on the Friday, that'll be a little tough. Right. No. That's awesome, man. So, came here to Idaho. Uh, right now, you're actually coaching in in Idaho and uh, here in the in the Valley area. Um, and you coach at a private school. Is that correct? I do. Okay. What's the school that you coach at? Uh, Nampa Christian High School. Nampa Christian High School. Okay. So, you know, we don't have a ton of prep slash you know private schools, whatever you want to call it, here in the Valley. There's there's some big names that we have. We've got like Cole Valley Christian. We've got Bishop Kelly, um, Nampa Christian. And there might be a few others in the valley. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, there's not a ton. It seems like in the in the bigger cities, the bigger states, they have a lot more of that. Um, I want you to kind of just be honest. Like compare what the private school is that you're coaching at right now compared to like St. John Bosco when you were in California. Like, what are some similarities and differences here? So this, one of the similarities is is it, is it is a private school and it, the academic um, standard is about the same. Um, now, the, one of the differences. I would say would be uh, the level of competition, okay. Um, the kids' mindset, and just general knowledge of the game. Um, 
because you usually see some of these kids see the same kids from seventh and eighth grade, uh-huh. middle school ball to high school ball. There's a lot of uh, familiarity and friendships that come along the way. Um, one of our biggest rivals, Modern Day, uh, which we played a night for the CIF championship um, down in California. We didn't know any of these guys, right? Okay. And we, every that's our biggest rival, and we wanted to really give it to them every time. Now it's, oh, you know, I know this guy, and you know, I went to camp with this guy, and you know, our families had you know dinner the other night, and <laughs> it doesn't make for for a true rival. Yeah. Um, these days, so uh, back when I was in high school for Modern Day, if you were caught wearing red at any time in school, you know, it was that was bad. Yeah. You know? Nowadays, it doesn't seem like it's like that. It's like seems like it's more sports are more buddy buddy, and you know, especially with you know Cole Valley Christian and and Nampa Christian being big rivals, no one really is. You know, I'm like, that is my rival. I don't want anything to do with them off the field until we are done with school. Right. So uh, that's I think that's one of the biggest differences too. Like, there's no true rivals. Like we say that they're our rival, but. If that's your rival, you don't want anything to do with I it like that. at all. I have a buddy of mine who actually said that when we talked about just rivals in general, like specifically for college football, but he said something similar to that. Like, if that's my rival, I hate them. I do not like them. <laughs> Nothing. I don't want it. I, yeah, I don't root for them to win just to help my strength of schedule. I don't do this, this, this. I hate them. Right. So that's funny you said that. Um, and you talked about like the level of competition and just specifically for like Napa Christian and, and Coal Valley Christian for the listeners who aren't from Idaho, these schools are in, I think it's the 2A division, 2A, right? Mm-hmm. And we have we go all up to 5A. So 5A being the highest, which is based on like the enrollment in your school, like the, you know, the, the population, how many kids are there. And these schools are in the 2A level, usually the smaller schools. It goes all the way down to 1A. But I mean, that's why I like in, in California, did it matter? Like your, what what level was St. John Bosco in, in your classification, I guess I should say? So we've always been at the highest level. So we've always been what they call Division One, um, And that's the highest that's, in Cali? That's the highest but level. But how many were enrolled at your school? So when I went to school, I remember when I was enrolled as a freshman, uh, there were 1,100 boys. Okay. So I graduated with uh, about 200 to 250 um, boys um, in our class. Um, and that's, that's a lot. You know, that's... That's, okay. That's 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 quite a bit, right? But, so, but what's the Nampa Christian? What's the enrollment? Do you know off the top of your head or rough rough estimate? Uh, it'd probably have to be around. I would say probably in the five hundred somewhere. Okay, so maybe it's about six hundred. Yeah. So it, 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 it gets it gets it gets tough. Okay. It gets tough. I mean, Cole Valley is is really starting to up their enrollment. Um, they're even thinking about maybe leaving the two A. Um, in a couple of years, and same thing with New Plymouth. New Plymouth is really up in their enrollment, and their sports teams are really becoming more competitive. So they're kind of thinking about leaving the two way as well. So will that happen? I don't know. Um, if it if it does happen, you know, I think that's good for us because I think we'll be the perennial favorites right. <laughs> at Manfred Christian. Um, but we love the competition to play in those two schools, especially our rival um, in Cole Valley. Okay. All right, so it just seems like here, um, just from my experience and what I've seen, typically, it, it, I guess it's just so much different, but typically, like, the better athletes, I just I say that with quotes around it, like, the better athletes um, play for, like, the public schools because unless you're at Bishop Kelly because they're in the 4A classification, or they were, I don't know if they're the 5A or 4A now, but BK used to be at the, the 4A realm when I was in high school, but usually when you have 
a larger enrollment around 2,000 to 3,000 kids, you have a larger pool of players that can play for you. Um, and in Boise, in the 5A level for the public schools, it's, it's open enrollment, so you can you don't have to live in the boundaries and this and this and this. But usually those 5A and 4A schools that have a lot more students that are like the public schools typically, from what I've seen, have the better athletes. And, and I think that's it's, it's weird because it's, it's actually predominantly that way. Uh, I know Cole Valley has competed in basketball, uh, for a couple of years at the two A level and even at the one A level before that, I used to watch them. But usually, it's it's tough. Like you don't have the the talent pool to pull pull from, and then you have the enrollment fee on like the tuition on top of that. It like causes a lot of problems, especially in a smaller area like Idaho, whereas California has a lot more population. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I'm not, I'm just spewing out the mouth here. So it's I mean it's a little different too. Like I mentioned earlier about the two um, about the four kids that transferred into St. John Bosco right. that helped us uh, win the state title. You know they started off at public school. Okay. Um, and then after you know two years of going to public school, they're like, ah, we, you know, we want better competition. We think we can get more looks at a private school. So let's, you know, we we have a coach that's training us. Like, let's just go over there and, and train with him, or go to be coached by him at his school. Uh, here, it's it's not like that. You know, if you play, usually if you're a star at the at the two A level, and there's there are some exceptions, but if usually if you're a star at the two A level, and you try to move up to the three A or the four A you may be one of the guys just standing on the sidelines, yeah. right? Just because your your body type and your size just isn't the type uh, that's at that level yet. So um, it's it's very difficult for some of those kids to get recruited, and it's very difficult for some of those kids to um, really see themselves playing beyond high school um, just because th- their size and, and their athletic ability doesn't allow them to. Now, we do have kids that are playing – um, in college right now, there's I think four kids, well five kids. I know there's one kid at um, C of I. Okay. Um, then we have about four kids at Dork University, which is in Iowa. Okay. Uh, which is a small, um, another small NAIA uh, private school. Okay. So usually Dork is is usually come crawling to Napa Christian, say, hey, who do you got? I got gotcha. you. Know, so um, they do get an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, if they do have the talent, they're good enough. But normally some of the times when you graduate eight or nine seniors, you maybe get one guy. Gotcha. I gotcha. So uh, just one last thing I wanted to ask you in regards to your coaching. What are you trying to do as a coach that, like, maybe you took from your days playing um, in California? What are you, what can you take from there, and what are you trying to instill into the kids here? Structure. Okay. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that helped me get to where I am today as far as in athletics was structure. You know, having a good routine – um, eating the right things to get you to where you need to go, working out uh, very hard. A lot of kids at the 2A level don't work out. Right. Right. So uh, when they get to basketball, when they get to track, or when they get to baseball, you know, and they're seniors, they've ma- they, the only lifting that they do or that they consider lifting is, oh, I went to fitness class today. Right. So in California, it's a little different. Right. In California, you play football as a freshman you don't stop lifting until you're a senior, right? And by time by the time you're a senior, it really pays off. And if you if your skills catch up to your physical ability, those are usually sometimes the guys that get offered scholarships. Like I know off the top of my head, there's about eight guys currently on St. John Bosco that have D one letters ready to go. Right. Okay. And that's that's big, you know, for any high school to have that many guys ready to go. Um ready to play college ball but at Napa Christian or just in general in Idaho 
not a lot of guys really take the weight room very seriously. So true. So, so true. you know, even I see this even sometimes at the bigger schools uh, when I'm watching the news or watching TV or reading the paper, uh, guys just don't they don't take it seriously. So uh, if and it all starts, you know, when they're, you know, like you're a rookie in a professional sport, your first year as a freshman, you're just getting to learn the school mm-hmm. system. You're just getting to learn what it's like to be a high school student. Um, and then you learn how to lift weights. So then from your freshman year after the season's over to your senior year, if you really hit the weight room hard and you focus and you have good structure uh, at the school, you'll be okay. Um, you, you, your skills will eventually catch up to uh, your body, and you'll be just fine. I like that. Structure is such an important part of any part of life, too, not just in the sports world. Um, it's important for you and your, your career, whatever it may be. And speaking of that, I want to you know, finish the, the show by talking a little bit about you now. You know, We've talked about your coaching, but you have that structured mindset. It's gotten to, you where, to where you are now. I kind of want to talk about how that's helped you in your entrepreneurial like adventures right like you're going off on these ventures i want you to talk about what you've got going on now with like that you work a full-time job but what else do you have on the side that you're doing besides coaching so i along with coaching and um my full-time job i also uh play a little bit of semi-pro football you know i know know some people like to call it rec ball because we don't get paid but i still call it semi-pro because i like to think in my mind that i'm always going out there to dominate so um, the first two years in the league, I mean, I, this is coming up this spring will be my, I think, fourth year, fifth year in the league. Um, my first two years in the league, I was the offensive MVP. Yeah. Right. So in the second year, we went to the championship. So uh, we're still looking for a championship in this league um, this year. So we're, we're, we're looking good so far in practice, but I think we'll, we have the pieces in place this year to really get where we need to go. And I'm, I'm always in the mindset of dominating. So along with the semi-pro thing, right, I also coach. Um, I also run a network marketing business that okay. I partner with, um, an anti-aging company. And okay. I love it. You know, the company's based out of Provo, Utah. Uh, the company's called New Skin. Um, we deal with anything from supplements to anti- anti-aging to just living a better quality of life. I like that. And you, you're able to balance all of these things. That's what's cool about you is like you have all these things. You're running a side business that you got going on, which is is the ultimate goal to try to make that your, uh, I mean, eventually like your main income is like, so, what's your ultimate so, goal? With so that? that's that's the goal. The ultimate uh-huh. goal is to make that um, my regular income, my, my standard of income for my wife and I. And eventually when we have kids, that, that will be our, yeah. our income, you know, and that's because both of us want to be stay-at-home parents, yeah, right. And then, along with being a stay-at-home parent, I will be able to coach my own kids as well. Yeah. So when that when that time comes, you know, that's that was really valuable for me. You know, having my mom, my dad, uh, my stepdad there to really um, help me along the way. You know, my stepdad wasn't a real uh, football, basketball guy. You know, baseball guy. He was more of a track guy. You know, so when I did track in high school, he was there. You know, my dad was the football guy. He was the the baseball guy, you know, anything else I wanted to do, that was my dad. You know, my mom was just, she was there for the support. So uh, just having, just knowing that my parents were there uh, to help me along the journey um, is something that I want to do with my kids along the way. For so sure. uh, just being able to be around them all the time and, and not having to worry to go back to a job, but knowing that my job is to be a parent. Yeah is 
what I'm looking for. That's why I'm that's why I do all this side hustle or side business stuff to eventually get get to that point. That's 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 awesome. And I commend you for that. Do you think that your days of playing sports and competing and still even today have helped you be able to structure your life like now to where you can actually manage all these things without being too stressed out about it? Do you think that had some sort of influence for you, like being able to have all this structure your entire life, respecting authority, this, 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 like through sports that you've learned? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's helped out in putting things in, into place. Okay. Um, along the way, uh, you, you have to learn certain things about life, about having a journal, having a calendar, how, having things like that, you know. When, when you're given those things in high school, you don't really know what they mean. You know, given a calendar, making a schedule, you know, there's you just say like, oh, I just have this, but I don't really know how to use it. But right. As you you get older and you start to learn, you start to think back like, OK, that's what that was for. This is this what this is for. So you start to uh, put things in perspective of how you really want your life to be structured mm-hmm. and how your days you want to be structured and how your weeks want to be structured. And, you know. Pretty soon that, that turns into months and that turns into years. So now you can plan for the future and you can get things done easily and you know where all your free time is, right? So then yeah. now you can balance life um, around all your free time. I like it. Nice, man. So where can the people find you Like, if, if they wanted to you know, purchase your, your anti-aging products or whatever it may be? Where can they find you? Is there a social media plug-in? I don't, I don't know where... We so, can point them to. So you can always add me on Facebook. Just look for my name, Daniel Jenkins. Okay. Um, you can always find me there, um, or you can look for me on Instagram. I am under uh, D Jinx, and that's J I N X twenty one forty. You can always add me on Instagram. I'm always posting things on there, or uh, Facebook, and you can just reach out to me from there, and and I can get you uh, hooked up on whatever you need. He's got a lot of stuff. So I'm going to put the link here on the bottom um, so you guys can find him on Instagram and Facebook. And if you guys need some stuff, check it out. So we're going to finish this up with the Guru's Gauntlet. Just a couple of random questions for you, just rapid fire. I want to get your take on some some uh, sports topics. So you ready for the Guru's Gauntlet? I'm ready. All right. D'Angelo Russell or Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball. Why? Lonzo Ball is a pure point guard, and he's more of a leader. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is a score, and that's taking nothing away from D'Angelo Russell. I think he's going to have an awesome career. I just think that the Lakers needed a floor general rather than a score at the point guard position. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Tom Brady. Why? Uh, I love Peyton Manning. I love everything that he did for the Denver Broncos when he was there, but the start of his career, he was a Bronco killer. So... Uh, when he was in Indianapolis, and I've always liked Tom Brady. I've respected his um, his growth throughout, you know, his career in Michigan. You know, was overlooked. Uh, I guess in the NFL, he was overlooked, um, and then now to be playing at 40 years old with five championships and saying that he wants to play until 43, 45, um, it's kind of looking like he may get you know six or seven in there somewhere, um, which will be disappointing for some people. But um, Tom Brady, man, it's just it seems like he's reverse aging. Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year then? The New England Patriots. And the reason I say that, this goes back to that man, Tom Brady. Um, even with all the injuries, you know, no Edelman, no uh, Gronkowski's been in and out of the lineup, um, you know, not a consistent running game. Uh, Tom Brady seems to just win games every single week. And 
you always look at him and say, you know, how how much better can he get? And each week he gets better. Um, new cast of characters almost every week. Uh, his line is inconsistent. Sometimes his defense is inconsistent. But Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have a recipe over there that I don't think anyone can touch. Who's a better coach, Bill Belichick or Popovich in the basketball game? I'm going to have to say Greg Popovich. Why? Um, because he has a system in place like Bill Belichick, but I think uh, Popovich's uh, connection with his players is a little bit deeper than football because, I mean, when you're dealing with the football roster, you're dealing with 53 different individuals right. um, along with 12, I believe it's 6 to 12 practice squad members along with your staff and all. And, you know, that's a lot of people to deal with. You know, in basketball, you have your, you know, your 13 to 15 players, you have your staff. Um, you have the owner, so you you can get a little bit closer with basketball players, and and he's he's been able to take different teams um, to the finals, to the playoffs that no one expected. You know, everyone right. expects Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, as long as they're together, to be there in the end. Um, every year, it seems like we ride off the San Antonio Spurs, and here's Popovich saying, "Hey, we're not quite dead yet because I'm still the coach and I'm still ready to go." So. Popovich, in my mind, is better coach than Bill Belichick. I respect that. Last question: Best conference in college football? Now I'm a little biased here, and I'm going to go with the Pac-12. Okay, I, I, I actually that I'm so happy you said that. I didn't know you were going to say that. Honestly, I didn't know. Can you tell me why you think that? Because we've had I've had podcasts. I've had a, an episode talking about why the SEC is overrated and why the Pac-12 actually has a legitimate point. My guest made a, a really good point discussing the competitive nature of the Pac-12 from the top to the bottom. It's not just top-heavy. They have a lot of competitive teams, even on the bottom feeders. But I want your thoughts. Why do you think the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football? Just for that reason. It's it's loaded from top to bottom. Now, you're going to have your your brand names like your USC and your Stanfords and your Oregons. Um, but it's it's not an easy conference. I mean, we saw that last year. USC was was one of the best teams in the country, you know, starting off at number 10 before Sam Darnold took over and we lost to Alabama. But USC was one of the best teams in the country, and Colorado ended up winning the South last year. Uh, Washington, with, with Coach Peterson, um, has been a, a stable force, you know, ever since he's gotten there. You know, Oregon is Oregon. You know, they're going to find their rhythm again and, and get back to where they need to. Stanford is always the standard for – being consistent you know mm-hmm. even with three losses this year now four um they were right there in the end you know to win the yeah. north you know after one or two losses everyone written them off you know so it's tough to say that the sec is is really the more dominant conference because they're they're really top heavy mm-hmm. you know usually there's two teams in the east and two teams in the west and then everyone else is kind of just fighting for the bottom you know in the pac-12 any given week, you can have an upset. You know, any given week, you can have, you know, USC can be on top one week and uh, Arizona State can be the top next week. Um, in the SEC and, and other conferences, it seems like there's the mainstays that are at the top, and that's it. You know, it's same. I would say the same thing about the Big 12. The Big 12 is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You know, I know TCU is, is a very good team, and Coach Patterson over there has done an excellent job over the last couple of years, but – when you think of the Big 12, you think of Oklahoma, you think of Texas, you think of Oklahoma State. You don't really think about um, Iowa State or anyone like that. So it's right. it's Pac-12 from top to bottom is the conference that 
really is looked upon as, well, sorry, you guys kind of beat up on each other, so you guys are left out of the college football playoff. But it's not our fault that from top to bottom we have great athletes. Um, so that's why I think the Pac-12 is is best conference in the nation. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get some fans and some haters here for that, but I I actually love that insight. So my one buddy Clayton, he's gonna he's gonna really like this episode. So for all the listeners, this is Daniel Jenkins. Jinx, I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks Thank for you, having me, man. Thanks yeah, for sure, man. So for everybody out there, it's the Game Time Guru. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you leave please head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate it because it helps me out a ton. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the support.